All right, so we're calling this show tonight, We Ate Enough Turkey and Ham and Macaroni and Cheese and Mashed Taters and all that stuff, but we're calling this this one tonight, Exposing the Turkeys. We ate turkeys, now we're going to expose the turkeys. I hope everybody enjoys this, but listen, we're just kind of winging it tonight. This is actually a resident of... Freedom Recovery, Freedom Recovery Center. Um, you don't see him. His name's Brian. We we want to respect what he's doing out at Freedom Recovery Center, but he has a story that we've kind of talked about, and it's really interesting to me. It may be interesting to you guys. I see him over there. He's got like these wide eyes. Like, like what's he going to ask me? Because he never knows where I'm going to go with things, but... Uh, his name is Brian. Brian, how you doing today? I'm good. Thankful to be here. Good. The Recovery First podcast is a podcast that helps highlight local initiatives in Greenville, South Carolina, and as well as on a national stage in the recovery communities. Here you will hear a wider range of topics surrounding addiction, recovery, and amazing advocates helping to make a difference in the recovery space. If you or a loved one are struggling with substance use disorder, please contact us today by calling 864-787-3798 or by visiting www.freedomrecoverycenterofgreenville.org. Now let's get ready to hear another amazing podcast with your host, Mike Todd. So we've had some conversations, uh, several conversations about this because um, I'm I, I'm interested in in, in patient brokering. Um, I think that I think that it should be outlawed. I think it should be outlawed all over the country. I think that South Carolina should have a patient brokering law. I think we should pass a patient brokering bill. But a lot of times they think, well, people think, well, this is this really happening? And it is happening. And it is happening in South Carolina. We're going to talk a little bit about your experience. And so, so your family... They were looking for help for you. 2013, I had overdosed and was in the hospital. Okay. And the doctors had no idea of where to go or what to do. Uh, I had never been in recovery before. So my family was trying to find somewhere. Right. Friend, friend of the family happened to know this number, and they gave it to us and called this number. Uh, next thing I knew, I was on a plane to Florida the next morning. So, and that all sounds great, right? I mean, it's like, oh, well, it was an 800 number. But I want, I want us to kind of wrap our head around this because part of what we want to do with this show, um, you know, when Todd and I started talking about this and, we, you know, we want to educate people. So I want us to think about this. So if you would have had cancer, for example, um, if you would have had heart disease, could we imagine picking up the phone and calling an 800 number. And I'm sure now, and backing up a little bit, so so we, and, and this, this was in 2013, but I'm going to tell you right now, right now, this is going on today. 
There are not only 800 numbers, but we have these Facebook gurus and recovery rock stars and all stars that people are calling. And the first thing they did, I'm sure, was they wanted your what did they what was one of the first things they wanted, Brian, when you called? Insurance information. That, <laughs> that was key. Yeah, and laughing, but it, it's really it, it think about that. So I've got a I've got a treatable and preventable disease, okay, um, that involves the brain. Now it's substance use disorder and we are calling some just some random dude or woman on an 800 number. Now, they got your insurance information, correct? That's correct. Within a few minutes, they had called me back with a, a flight book to Florida. Oh. I mean, it was just, it probably was 10 minutes later, they called me back with flight information. So you obviously, and, and, I, and another thing I want to back up just a little bit too, can you imagine um, what Brian's family was going through. He, he, he had had an overdose, um, a, a very near death, a, sc- a scary experience. There was, and, and I want you to wrap our heads around this. I'm going to say that a lot in this segment, that they had no one to turn to. They felt that they had no one to turn to, except a family member saying, hey, I got this 800 number. So they provided... A plane, isn't that interesting? Uh, at when it first happens and you're in the middle of it, you don't think that's unusual. Uh, yeah, especially not having any idea about how recovery works or, or what was available. Uh, so it, it didn't ring any bells at first, but the farther down the line, more more warning signs came up. But yeah, with, by the next morning, I was on a plane heading to Florida. And we're going to talk about those warning signs. We're going to talk about what happened because, of course, they sent you to Florida. But here's the thing. It is actually illegal. It is illegal. That is called inducement. That is illegal for them. If I, for a recovery, or not a recovery, I shouldn't say a recovery, but a treatment center, it is illegal for an, a, tr- for a treatment center to provide transportation, to provide a plane ticket. So they broke the law right there. I uh, had no the idea. other, the other, we got to talk about this. Like the other interesting thing is the plane touches down. You must have had good insurance at the time, <laughs> dude, because <laughs> because and that's what we that's what we talked about, and and so. And what pulls up but a limousine, man? And so here you are. Where Where are you from in South Carolina at the time? I'm from right around the Greenville area, <laughs> and uh, flew into Fort, Fort Lauderdale. And Fort there, Lauderdale. There was a man with my name on a sign beside a limousine. Golly, man, is that not amazing? They, they, you know, I mean, so everybody picture this 800 number. They fly him in, um, which is against the law. I'm pretty sure the limousine's against the law, too. I may be wrong about that. We may need to get with, like, some, I don't know, some, I'm, like, this is not my expertise. There are people that actually, like, expose this, and that's what we're kind of leading into. We're going to get we're gonna get some of those folks on the show. But, so they picked you up in the limo. Picked me up, drove me to this little building. It used to be a nursing home. But uh, drove me there, very nice place, uh, very, very kind people, yeah. um, everything you want that, a chef on 
uh, Cyril, and he would cook unbelievable meals every day. <laughs> we, we had omelets made to order every day. <laughs> so, um, but hold on, Brian. And I've known you for a little while, man. You, you, you know. But so here you are. You just a good old boy from Greenville, South Carolina. I mean, you know, from. I mean, and here, like, okay, you're gonna fly me in. You're gonna ride me in on a limousine. You're gonna put me up in this nice place. And not only that, but I get an omelet every day, right? <laughs> it doesn't take, doesn't take much to make me happy. So I was I was happy. But did I mean? But did you? And you got some services. For, I mean, you got. They, you know, we did detox and right. help you through, through that. They have an introduction into some meetings and this, this and that. Um, so, you know, some very positive stuff there. Um, but also the sort of the apple pie in the sky, uh, billboard that's in front of you, isn't necessarily where you end up in the end. Okay. And I, and I want us to kind of hold on to that for just a minute because it, it, everything looked really good on the outside. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, it, everything that was, it was almost like, and, and it's almost as sad as like you're buying something. Like you're, you're buying, a, like, it, you, you know, you, you're calling the salesperson, really. And yeah. they're telling you, man, you know, we're going to get you, you, you know, you're going to f- probably fly first class or something. Um, we're going to pick you up with a limousine. We got, did they have a pool? Uh, not, not, <laughs> they had a hot tub. <laughs> no, the, Was Dr. Drew there? I'm just Dr. kidding. Drew, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but but yeah, I mean, so so it was a nice place. It was, and and that was what was this salesperson kind of laid that on you. But I mean, but once you got there, you probably had a counselor. You had, they had groups every day. They kind of kept you busy, right? Pretty much, yes. Um, they didn't push groups real hard. If you didn't want to go, you could stand out on the patio and smoke and talk. Um, but a- after you're there a few days, you get to talking to other patients and all. We were all given name, uh, our patient ID yeah. on the wristband. And after the patient ID was point one, if you're a first timer there, huh. up to point eight or nine, if you've been through there eight or nine times. Wait so that, a minute. That was my first revelation that, okay, some of these people have been in the program went out relapsed and then started all over and every time they start over it's more money more money more money they you just you just piqued my interest like you didn't tell me like this is the first time maybe you told me about the wristbands but so guys if you you know yeah our massive audience out there but if it, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you have family members, I, w- I want you to just think about this. So he is a patient. He has a treatable and preventable disease. He is he is there, and he they have they are identified with wristbands. Okay, and on those wristbands, there is a number on that wristband, and that's how many times that patient has been there. So, in other words, Brian had a one on his 
wristband. So what would tell you is that what I'm thinking, okay, is that, okay, Brian can be washed and repeated a few times. Is that kind of, was that kind of what you were getting, Brian? Once you start talking to to the other patients down the other residents, whatever you want to call us, you start realizing that, yeah, we can pretty easily be recycled, reused, repeated. Um, you know, you, you and, and and I was looking at you, and I'm looking at you across the studio, and, you know, but when that came, like, recycled, reused, that is just, like, like and I know that's just, like, your words, but that's, that's exactly what it is, mm-hmm. really. Yes. So it even gets better. So you got these wristbands, and there are some people with bands that have it up to eight or nine times on it. Yes. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist and Todd jump in anytime because I know you're taking all this on. Todd's our producer. But here's the thing. So 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 they are send they are filing their insurance. So there are some people in there that have had actually rerun their insurance Eight, nine, sometimes maybe even ten times, a dozen times. Yes. Can, all right. Can you imagine that? Well, and, you know, my, my question is, you know, so with the people that have run, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine times, did they, did they seem to get preferential treatment? Uh, or was it that you being the first time, uh, being a first-time participant in whatever the program was, did you feel like there was a little more, um, you know, favoritism towards one group over another? I really couldn't tell if there was. Um, this was still very early on, and I was still learning. Yeah, it, there wasn't something obvious sticking out about me being given more, or them being given more because of the numbers. It was, but it, but it, but something. But we've like we've kind of talked, but something registered in you like something something's not right about this. Yep. And, and the the more you talk to the other patients and everything, the more you learn. Probably ninety five percent of us were out of staters. Wow. And you know, if you're there and you relapse, you get two choices: you either go back out, go out on the street, or you come back through the program. Well, what were the uh, what were the predominant states that you saw a um, a connection with? So you know, as you know, was there a pattern like some states more than others? There was an awful lot of people from Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, in that general area, <laughs> and then there was just spotches here and there of yeah. other states. I definitely met more people from West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. Yeah. Uh, right where I went. And this was in 13. Everything's starting to really kind of ramp up ramp up in there because for me, it was around 2015 when I had one of these clowns that, you know, kind of, you know, came to me and said, hey, you know, what do you do with people that – you know, have we call it a reoccurrence, proper language here. We don't want Nicole Chris to get mad at us. But, yeah, if they have a reoccurrence, right, um, you know, what do you do with them? Uh, where do you get them insurance? And, and at the time, it just it didn't really – it didn't really register, but 13s when everything 14, it's really starting to ramp up, uh, you know, as far as patient brokering and everything else. And what it came down to was this guy was going to give me a couple thousand dollars. Seriously, and I ran him out of my office. 
But here's the thing. I mean, but this is exactly, folks, I want you to know something. And this is not just, it's, this is in, uh, being done on a very, very wide scale. A very wide scale. And how in the world can we continue to exploit people who are suffering from a, again, treatable and preventable disease called substance use disorder. How can we continue to do this? But there's something else that Brian talks about, too, that really piqued my interest. So they could, so if they had, you know, proper language and a reoccurrence, if they have a reoccurrence, they could, they either go to the street or they could run their insurance again but tell me a little bit about something that was right down the road. This is where it's going to really come together for you folks. Yeah, I, after about a week in detox, they move us into these apartments and we, we have a little more freedom. You know, we're still mm -hmm. watched and we do meetings and all that. But it's, it was well known as soon as you come on the property, everyone would say uh, that last house on the right there is a trap house. And, and for, for, for people that don't know what a trap house is, I'm going to go ahead and let you tell them, Brian. I mean, so 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 again, OK, again, I'm trying to like digest all this because I've talked to people before, but I've never had like some. Well, I've had I actually I have had people in, that have come through the program that have gone through this. But so here you are, treatment center. They'll put you in some apartments, probably pretty nice apartments, yeah, right? But it. inside of those apartments, folks, inside of those apartments was a trap house. And a trap house, we can just go ahead and say it, someone was selling drugs inside of that apartment complex that that treatment center sent him to. Exactly. And yeah. this is not uncommon, Okay, it is not uncommon. And I'm going to tell you what's happening as Florida and California begin to crack down on some of this. You are we've 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 kind of looked at it as a Florida and California problem. But as, as the laws, because Florida has passed, I believe they've yeah, they've passed a patient brokering law. Um, but they figure out ways to get around it or whatever. But what you're going to find is that they're going to set up shop. All right, listen to me. If any of my um, South Carolina, I don't know if we could get this to some legislators, to our state agency, to Deotis, the Department of Alcohol and Other Drug Abuse Services. As those shops get shut down in California and Florida, this exact because it's nothing but an, it, it, it's 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 a, a trap, right? Um, but as these places get shut down, they're going to set up shop in, in states such as South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, places that do not have patient brokering laws. They're going to do that. But that is amazing that here he is. He gets sent to Florida. He calls an 800 number. He gets sent to Florida. He, they even they pay for his plane ride. They pick him up in a limousine. They put him in a nice place. He starts to have group. Well, you you don't really you can sit out here and smoke if you want to, right? I mean, and he can tell you he's at Freedom Recovery Center. When it's time to go to a meeting, what's it time to do? What time to time to go? Put out the cigarettes <laughs> and go. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that that made me wonder. So, I mean, you mentioned about the the lax 
end of it on that end where being able to smoke freely and all that but was was there any structure to this um, uh establishment that you went to or like what did what did the uh what did it look like more in depth on that end because i think what you know we definitely want to make sure we're portraying the whole picture here and not just you know i don't want someone to or and i know mike wouldn't want someone to come back and say well this is just one guy that had a bad Mm -hmm. experience and they're taking this time to slander the thing like can you give a little more insight into the actual you know what how how structured was the program that you were a part of it it was it was laid out to be like an incentive-based things. If you did go to all your groups, if you participated, did your one-on-one counseling, all this, you earned credit to getting a little more freedom. Uh, oh. So there was incentive there, but if you didn't care about going to the beach once a week, you could just sit out back and smoke cigarettes all the time. Uh, so they, there were some incentive-based things to keep us uh, in the middle of the, the program. Uh, but ultimately, a lot of people just went and sat there for a week, got detoxed, and went on to the next step without ever going to one of the groups or anything like that. Wow. So, so <laughs> okay. So, and, but here's the thing. You just said that there were incentives. So part of the incentives were, hey, you get to go live in this apartment, right? Yes. But inside of the apartment... Everybody knew that there was some. Could you imagine? All right, you're trying to you're trying to 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 treat your disease, and then of course we treat the disease, and then we work on our recovery. I mean, it's just like it's just like the examples heart disease. My arteries are clogged up. I need to go get treatment. I need to go get them unclogged, and then I need to sit down with the doctor, and I need to change. The way that I do things, I need to change the way that I live my diet. I need to exercise so that those arteries don't get clogged up. I mean, could you imagine going like somewhere to get something heart disease and they say, all right, but we're going to send you down the road here and right by it's a donut shop. And next to that, you know, is a place to get hamburgers and French fries. I mean, it's just the whole thing just really blows my mind. And, and And I'm really even... Like, I hear about this and stuff, but sitting down and, and really kind of processing this with you, it, this, is un, this is unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you something. This has been being done at a massive rate, at a, at a, at a massive rate. I mean, there are a lot of people that, are, that have been getting flown out to Florida or flown for because for a long time we thought, OK, you, you know, w- you got to go to Florida or California to get treatment. I mean, it was just kind of a kind of a given, right? So one of the things, you know, you know, I'm kind of a so Rich Jones. One of the things that he talks about and and that and that I talk about is like, what if all treatment and recovery is what lo- is local, right? And so fact. So let's fast forward. It's when did you come to us? I first came last November. Went home and then came back in January. Right. Okay. But you. But this time, this was in 2020, right? This you, you were with us during the pandemic, right? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And so, which is a rough time for everybody. Everything's just kind of crazy then. But 
you have what you did was you did everything locally. This, and I'm not saying this is a perfect process, but why in the world do we think that we have to send somebody to Florida or California, especially when we have these pitfalls? You know what I mean? I mean, I could understand it if everything was regulated and straight up and you were getting some fantastic care. And you know what? A lot of times people want to get away from where they are because they're drug dealers there, because um, because who, you know, because their old friends, their old playgrounds, playmates, all that good stuff is there and they want to go somewhere else. But look what he faced. I mean, he, he was he was he, he was right. He had a he had a, a drug house right down the road, right down the, the hall from him, basically in the same apartment complex. And so this time you've done some things. You, you did everything locally, right? You 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 went to a local treatment center here. Um, I, I don't I don't mind saying it's Carolina Center yeah. for Behavioral Health. Um local let's face it you know he didn't have any palm trees um he didn't have any um he didn't have a beach (laughs) um i can tell you because it is a local place a lot you know that it was it's structured like you're gonna you're gonna like you're gonna go to your groups there Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Because, and most of the people that are from there are from here, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, it's so, and then he was, and then he was sent to us, uh, to Freedom Recovery Center for like, so he had a much better chance at treatment and long term recovery because he, now he's going somewhere local. And I understand you got your old playground playmates, uh, you know, all that stuff, drug, dr- all that stuff. OK, but you're still going to have to live here. I, I mean, eventually, because when you left Florida, then, now you had to come home. Come back home. But, I, but for me, I couldn't imagine like that. I, I, all right. So I got in recovery when I was 25, but I couldn't imagine being placed in an apartment complex and I'm in treatment, or I'm in some kind of care, whatever they're doing, and, and and I guarantee you that this treatment center knew that that was going on. Do you? I, like we don't know the name of the treatment center. We're not going to say the name of the treatment center. But in your heart, do you believe that they knew that that place was there? I have no doubt they knew it was there. He was talked about among the staff members. Now, whether anybody above the lower level or you know. Staff members, I don't know, but I know that no, they knew. Well, I, I couldn't. I, you know, I just I, that's the, that's the hard part of it as well. Is you know, is if the staff is, a, I mean, obviously they're aware of it. So you would think that if they're in the business of helping people, if they're in the business of turning someone's life around, then they would also be in the business of letting the higher ups know, hey, you know what? There's a problem here. We've got a trap house in this facility that we're sending our residents to for you know to stay at. You know, so obviously. Um, that's you know that's a big problem, and that shows you know obviously a huge lapse on, and I don't, I don't even want to say lapse of judgment, because if you've got people there that have numbers on their wristband, you know one, two, three, four, and up, and they're washing the insurance, yep. they're washing the payments coming back through, yep. 
not to play conspiracy theorist over here, but one would have to believe that if they're aware of it, then they're also aware that they're going to be getting, you know, were there any other perks that you were like, because you know how it goes, like when you're in, when you're in recovery housing, everybody talks, you know, so, and secrets seem to get out. Were there any other kickbacks that people, you know, that residents got or staff got because of, you know, people coming in? You could uh, become a Lifesavers Club member. You got somebody to come back uh, into the program, and that involved a package of shirts and pins and. Okay, so hold on a second. So now, so now you now you you can become like a like a broker yourself, so to speak. So hey, you know, like and 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 you could possibly. And that's another thing, like, do, do you think that some of these folks were like, like they would go and and use drugs again, mm-hmm. unfortunately? It's such a terrible situation. I don't see how anybody, I don't see how anybody made it. Um, I wonder if they were paid to, to come back through, the patients. And, did, did, and my question to you is, did you rewatch, if you don't mind? I, I did one time. You, I, you, you, I ended up being a two-timer down there. You ended up being a – so, yeah, that's kind of how y'all – is that kind of how y'all d- <laughs> described each other? Yeah, I'm a nine-timer, I'm a two-timer. I'm a, like, it, it, it is so sad. Yeah. And at a certain point in the program, you're encouraged to do your job. And this place had a huge alumni department where people would get jobs, and their job was to contact old, um, Res- yeah, old resident. residents, patients. People that came through, and actually, that was a question that I actually had as well. So you know, um, obviously, as so that's how it's being done. And the alumni department is reaching out, saying, "Hey, you know, because they have all your contact information." So people that have gone through the program, whether successfully or kicked out, were, were any was anybody ever kicked out of the program? Like, could you get kicked out of this program if they were rerunning <laughs> your, you know, rewashing your, your? You you had the choice to go out on the street but if you're from west virginia and you're in south florida and it's either get kicked out kicked out on the street in this town you know nothing about or go back in uh first of all if my, i call my family and tell them i got kicked out and not willing to go back uh, they're not going to be happy i will be lost living on the street doing who knows what to yeah. survive or or whatever so it was very beneficial you might say to to be rewashed. It kept you off the street, whether you were motivated to get treatment or not. It was a warm bed and some food. So, well, and, and beneficial, and also to the uh, to the center because they're getting to rewash your insurance all over again, and they're getting to you know start from step one and you know, go through that whole process and. Lord knows what you know what that kickback is whenever they're washing the the insurance payments. Did and, now, and the other question did they they had recovery housing too didn't they? They had you know everything. Are they partnered with recovery housing? They, they I'm had sure. halfway houses. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, so yeah, same thing back then. Yeah, yeah. So and, and from inpatient to halfway houses, that's six hundred and twenty six beds, and. They were probably ninety percent full all the time. I mean, could you can you imagine the amount of money 
that is being made in this 600 bed from all the way from the from the regular treatment center to the apartments where the trap house is to the to the halfway houses or recovery houses or whatever which you probably didn't have you didn't have a damn chance either i mean it's just it's it, it, it's just crazy and you know so and that's part of the reason that i advocate for all treatment and recovery to be Local because you're gonna live here anyway, right? So you go to a look because it's okay. So I have a recovery program. It's kind of hard for me to go to a to a local treatment center and say wink, wink, nod, nod. You know, as these guys have a reoccurrence, you know. And by the way, uh, we're gonna kind of make it. A, and, and if I'm getting a couple grand. Okay, and we keep washing people through, and the next thing you know, I got a, a a drug house across the way, and I've heard about this a lot. I have heard of a lot of IOPs and so forth in California and Florida. You're not the only one. We just had a young man that that talked about it that said right across the street from a place that he went. I think it was in California. Um, literally, there was a there was a literally as you walked out, there was a drug house across the street. I mean, it's all set up. It's all set up for failure. And here's the other thing. I don't know what's going on with these kids, but nonprofits, and I think this is despicable. I'm just going to say this. I think this is, I think, I think all of it's despicable. But if you have a nonprofit and you're raising money and all this stuff and, and you're in New York, for example, and you're sending people to South Carolina and just plucking them off the street or whatever, and you say, well, they're getting assessed by people. No, they need to be assessed professionally. They need to be assessed by people that, like, you know, went to school for this, right? Not just like, well, we're going to kind of monitor them. And, and they, so we've got, we've got this shuffle going on. We've talked about it in West Virginia. We've talked about it in South Carolina, where people are, be, like, herds of kids are being shuffled from one state to the other. And I don't know what the heck's going on, but think about that. So you got sent there or whatever, and and these people are not assessed. All right, even if we got, I got a nonprofit and I'm raising money and look at me, I'm all wonderful, right? And I'm sending people from New York to South Carolina, right? Because there's, there's some, maybe there's some recovery housing or whatever I can send them to. They don't make it at the recovery house or they don't make it at the program and then they get put out on the street and maybe maybe they had a mental illness maybe so it's just so that's another thing that happened a lot of these folks when their insurance ran out out the door you go you're out the door and you're out the door in florida what did, and did you see that? Did you see? Because I mean, I know you mentioned that you saw a lot of people from Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky. Those three states alone, you know, not to say that South Carolina is not in that grouping because we are very close. But the overdose deaths in those three states alone, you know, in particular in West the last Virginia. in the last three years alone, have been huge. So it doesn't. 
it doesn't blow my mind to know to hear you say that answer that you saw a grouping of people from there you know a, a big grouping from there but what happened whenever did you see that did you see the okay the insurance says okay I'm done paying for it did you see the people having to be exited for that reason what was the reason people were leaving was it because they were completing successfully was it because they were getting kicked out or was it because they were you know getting kicked out and coming back in or was it that you know that the insurance ran out it wasn't all one thing there were some people who okay i've done this for eight months ten months a year i'm going back home and trying life uh, plenty of people that insurance ran out and well if you don't stay in the halfway house and pay you pay you way not a problem but if you need any more treatment than living in a halfway house then you got to go you, you your insurance runs out on you and inpatient or IOP or PHP, then sorry, you, you got to go. Um, because think about this, Brian. So you got a plane ride there. But if you're in folks, if your insurance runs out, you don't get one back. You don't get a plane ride back. So guess where your loved one is stuck in Florida. And now you're looking for your loved one because they're on the streets. OK, and there's actually there's some really wonderful people out there we're, we're going to have them on the show todd that um it's some uh, lady from california that runs an organization that actually goes out and looks for these kids for parent you know for the parents i mean this is like this is like really going on and i really think and that's one of the things we're working right now for south carolina we're working on a language bill we got to start somewhere you know, we're going to have we want to have the proper language and legislation. And as, as we sit in Columbia and we talk about things, we want to use it like we don't want to talk about addicts. We want to say people. We want to use people first language. Shout out to Nicole, Chris and uh, Aaron Kacharski. They, they they're language people and they do a good job. But as we start to work on this bill, I really think that we in South Carolina need to start looking at this. We need to start looking at this. And I don't, I don't think that anybody needs to be coming to South Carolina unless they are properly assessed. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, yeah, no, go ahead. Laws have changed and everything else, like you said, in the last seven or eight years in Florida. But when I was down there, there were 57 licensed treatment centers in Palm Beach County alone. Wow. 57 licensed li- treatment centers. 57 facilities. guys. Now, Here's another thing here. We, we're still wrapping our head around this. And my God, I wish we could get this out to more people. 57 treatment centers were in what, what city was this? It's Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County. There were 57 treatment centers running this damn gamut. Now, you think about you think about what that was doing to treat to to insurance companies just washing and washing and washing and washing and washing and then what did that do to the to basically putting people out on the streets it, you know if you're out on the street you got nowhere to live and people are going to be stealing from Walmart to uh, have something to eat or right you know, whatever they have to do to survive right so you're not just you know kicking people out you're hurting your local economy um, which is a, a totally different thing in Florida than it is anywhere else. But you're not just hurting that one person on the street. You're hurting your local mom and pops and your Walmart and every. I mean, it's just. I mean, it, it, even if you look at it from like 
And I don't want this. I don't for the last thing I want is this podcast to be political. But if you look at it, even from a conservative point of view, and like I sat in uh, Joanna Vance uh, in West Virginia, who's an amazing advocate there. um, I sat in some stuff with her. Uh, as far as like trying to write to write a patient brokering bill for West, by gosh, West Virginia needs one. So, but, and he, but here's one of the things that's happening in West Virginia. Are you ready for this? A big thing that's happening happening in West Virginia is they're taking these kids and they're giving them a one way bus ticket, a one way bus ticket out of uh, out of west or or they've got folks coming even coming into west virginia with a one way bus ticket cuz what happens in west virginia it, it, it's it's a it, it's it's turned out to be a dumping ground yep. because there are so many drugs so you got i don't know she said some of them actually come from greenville south carolina which is really interesting but so so you got new york you know, some bozo nonprofit in, from New York sending people to South Carolina unassessed and they end up out on the street or whatever it may be. I mean, I, I just the whole thing is just it, it, it really is amazing. And I don't think that people understand to what I mean, like you can go on Facebook right now and I don't know how they get away with it. I'm going to sit here and look. I don't know how y'all get away with it. You rock stars, you you recovery all-stars and gurus, you make me sick. You make me sick that you sit here and you have these families, these vulnerable families reach out to you and you get the front and the back of their insurance card and you sell them like they're cattle or something. It really pisses me off. And I, you know what? I might just start naming you all. Well, because everybody knows who the hell they are, and why aren't they being stopped? Well, why aren't those people being stopped, Todd? Well, and that's the other thing. Really remember, pisses me off. Well, remember, you know, back in what was it, the summer? Uh, you know, we Kelly and I, we were on vacation down in Myrtle Beach, and you know, how many screenshots did I send you while that week while we were on vacation of advertisements from treatment? You know, one treatment place after another. I know that in two days' time, I at least sent you fifteen different screenshots of advertisements that were coming up in my Facebook feed, you know, for for treatment centers. And most of them, three quarters, were from Florida. Yeah. That doesn't, you know, I mean, we're, we're focusing kind of here on Florida yeah. and California, but what, what do people need to look out for in their states? Because we don't want the breeding ground that we're talking about. So we're talking about how, you know, we don't want that for South Carolina or West Virginia. So what are families, because this is going to get out. You know, with a with a conversation like this, this is going to get out. So, what do people, families, need to look at to be questioning? Hey, is this place acceptable for my loved one to go to? So, I, Todd, I want as as we kind of wrap it up. I want to talk about how. Like that happened to me in 2015, 2016. I literally got approached by these guys. Um, I have a strong network of people around me that I talk to because it, because it, at first it sounded like, well, it's not a big deal because they're going to donate to my nonprofit. I need money, right? It, it, it kind of, it was enticing because when you have a small nonprofit like ours, it's like, 
man, you know, we always need money. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, Todd, you know how much money I make. I mean, I'm poor, right? I mean, but the point I'm trying to make is the way what I did was I started like really looking at this and getting educated. And the first thing I did back then was we had a, we had a women's house back then, a, a lady that we got started. Anybody um, we had a director, myself, anybody that was in a position that could possibly send someone to a treatment center had to sign uh, uh, basically a statement. We kept it on file that you would not take any kickback, inducements, gifts, nothing like that. I mean, I know when, when Heath um, worked for us, you know, he used to like to send people to Galax in Virginia, but that's where he was from. But I can grant you one thing that he didn't, that he did, he, he never took a kickback from him. But here's the, here's the thing. So here's the red, no, Todd, here's the red flag. Give me just a second. I have one question yes. at, the, at the end of that. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Go ahead. And say what you're no, here's here's the red here's here's the red flag, and I have people that call me. And about ninety percent of my people don't have insurance. I mean, they just don't. So I'm like navigating them through the. But if they do, I recommend a local treatment center, which is Carolina Center for Behavioral Health, which is where Brian came through. Because like I said, it like if I go out there and try to entertain something, it's going to get out real quick. Like I'm going to get the real quick because it's everything is local and transparent. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. If you call an 800 number and they and they go straight into insurance, okay, they want the front and back of your insurance card. Or if you are are reeled in by some of these despicable, I'm going to say it to them, you're despicable. You despicable people on Facebook. You're not a guru. You're a criminal. You take advantage of sick people. I'm going to say that. When you, when you sit here... <laughs> When you get in touch with these Facebook all-stars and recovery rock stars or whatever the hell they think they are, and they want the front and back of your insurance, do not give anybody the front and back of your insurance card. Here's the difference. I will never, ever look at me. I will never ask for the front and back of your insurance card. I will never send people out of state that are not properly assessed. The first thing they need to do is be assessed by someone who is trained with substance use disorder, mental illness. They need to be assessed because there are other underlying things besides substance use disorder, right? There's PTSD, there's depression, there's anxiety. They have to be properly assessed. So what I suggest to them is that they are properly assessed by professionals in the Greenville, South Carolina area. And I never ask for the front and back of their insurance card. If you if someone asks for the front and back of your insurance card, you tell them to you tell them where to go. You tell them where to go because I'm telling you they're selling you. When you know, the, the I'm other, sorry, I'm getting a little fired up. The other thing that I was going to throw in there. So what happens if you're, and you know, this may not actually pertain to you, but what if you're getting a sponsorship from a facility and you're sending that person from the you know from the sponsoring you to the facility? Like, you know, like, how is that? How is that necessarily? Well, that gets that gets a little bit hairy, too, because when I was approached in 15 or 16, you know, another thing that they enticed me with. 
They enticed me with, if you send me, if you send three people to us, the fourth one, or it was two or three or something, we'll give you a sponsorship. How about that? So, so I mean, okay, I get it. So maybe they could, maybe they get, they could get a sponsorship. But sponsorships are a little. I think they're a little bit. Eh, when when somebody starts talking about sponsorships, um, you know, my thing is, especially here, I get a lot of calls from families that don't have insurance, and the first thing I tell them is, look, go to our county agency which is Phoenix Center, okay, which is also our county drug and alcohol abuse center. Go there. There are wonderful people there that will assess you and guide you and help you. You're, everything is limited. You're in South Carolina. Um, you know, we, we are, you know, we're not a Medicare state or anything like that, unfortunately. First thing I would love to see Medicare expanded into South Carolina. Not going to happen in conservative South Carolina. Not going to go there. But the point I'm trying to make is to get them to someone locally to assess. And then if, if they feel like they need to go somewhere, but most of the time they can get what they need here. And here's, here's the thing, and Brian, as we wrap up, Brian can kind of attest to this. You know, as he's getting his treatment locally, He's going to his recovery locally, too. And his recovery program and his housing and everything is local so that he gets so everything is done right there. It's a wraparound service. Right. As he starts to go through his PHP, which is partial hospitalization, which is six days a week. Then he goes to his IOP, which is three days a week out there. And then he can step down and go to his housing Right. But everything he's going to his meetings, he's looking for a local sponsor. He's not going to Florida or California where they're handing him a good a, a big book and saying, all right, man, good luck. Hope you make it. Good luck back in Greenville. Right. He doesn't even know anybody in recovery in Greenville. And they send him back with a big book and then he, he goes to a meeting or something and it happens to I don't know. And maybe he's on medically assisted treatment and he says something and who knows what can happen. Well, and, you know, Brian, how did you end up coming back? That's, you know, so you got through Florida. So how did you actually get here? <laughs> he got back. Uh, when it was time to go home, my sister bought, bought me a plane ticket home and uh, was able to come back, find me an apartment and uh, live local again. And then, you know, one more follow-up question, because we touched on it very at the very beginning, and we we're going to double back to it, but you mentioned that was your one of your first warning signs when you got there. What were the other warning signs you saw as you progressed through this program so that families or an uh, individual that may be in contact with one of these outfits know what to look for? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, like Mike said, don't give them insurance information. That's it. Talk to somebody that, that really wants to do a thorough eval. Yeah. And, you know, talk talk to people who want to treat a patient and not just get an insurance company. That's it, uh, man. You know, that, that you can certainly do your research online, but there's so many people so good at putting false faces on Facebook or in an ad or, or whatever you just have to be very very careful about what you read you may have to go look up some some you know meanings to some of the words because uh you know places are good at using the right verbiage to make it sound 
that much better. Yeah, and Brian, another thing is, I mean, if, if you're on Facebook, social media is huge now, and you got somebody rapping and telling you to reach out and all this bull crap, um, don't touch them with it. They're 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 despicable. They're despicable. They really are to be taking advantage of these folks. Another thing, if, if you've got a family doctor, you know that you trust. Consult with that family doctor, you know, about about where to go. But I, I just don't think that we I, I, I've been watching this for a while. And, and when, you know, when Rich told me that he was like, hey, man, all all treatment and recovery should be local. It, I, I, I just think it should be. And like I said, I understand a lot of people want to leave because they're, they're trying to get out of a bad situation. But what people don't understand is their loved one is, is going from that to an even worse situation. They have no idea that their loved one is going to an apartment or so-called recovery house where they're selling drugs. They're trying to set these people up for a reoccurrence so that they can run their insurance through. I know we got to wrap up. Well, well, before you wrap up, go ahead and finish your thought, but definitely come back to me because I have one more thing then. No, I just want to say, and Brian, I'm I'm glad you're doing well. (laughs) You know, I know nothing's been perfect for you but you know you're in I, I, you're in a safe place that drug test and um, that we you know we really really watch each other you are you are you have you got to participate you know you got to participate or you're not there you got to write your meetings down you got to go to four meetings a week minimum we like to see more than that when that van leaves and you're sitting on the porch and a whole van load of guys are going to a, 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 a meeting I'm probably going to ask you what the heck you're doing. Like, you know, well, I, well, why aren't you in the van with them? We look for absolute participation. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, this has been even more enlightening. Um, and I want to I want to mention this real quick. I know. But a lot of this is when we talk about human trafficking and, and things like that, sex trafficking. I want everybody to know this is playing a big part in it. We, I will say this because I have talked to legislators. I have talked to people, uh, different people. I won't go into it, but I've talked to some folks. This patient, this um, sex trafficking and human trafficking is a big problem in South Carolina because we're right on the 85 corridor between Atlanta and Charlotte. And it's huge here. And this is a major, major vacuum that I believe, that I really believe that is being overlooked. Okay? Because when people are just kind of like, well, you know, I mean, this nonprofit is going to send a, send me to across state. What's really, I mean, really what's going on? Okay? So any final thoughts, man? Brian, thank you. Brian, that was really good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know we've talked about it. I was like, man, I got to get you to, we got to like talk about this. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. I, I've learned a lot. So yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, you learned that I can rant, right? No, I already knew that. It's despicable. <laughs>
So, and you know, one thing in closing as well, you know, tomorrow, uh, you, I love you, man. Tomorrow is Black Friday, so yeah. you know, and obviously we will have Giving Tuesday coming up here soon. So, if you do feel like you would like to give, uh, you know, on your and it's in your heart to give, uh, you can visit www.freedomrecoverycenterofgreenville.org. You can always make a contribution to the program here. The you know, Mike's got a wonderful. Uh, wonderful program here that's helping you know in, within the community and then also you can visit uh, recoveryfirstpodcast.com sign up for our newsletter and you can uh, know, be in the know whenever we get these future uh, exposés of Expose. you know exposing the turkeys yes. uh, coming out so are we going to eat some more turkey I'm telling you man but you know but anyways I mean th- you know that's always uh, always yeah. a good avenue to come and you know once again thank you for coming on yeah, i think that you know you, i think that this is opening the door to have these conversations that need to be had uh and a lot of people don't know what to look for and realistically i mean i would like to be able to have you back on and dive down deeper into more particulars of you know what's going on yeah and we'll get some more folks on that actually maybe go after some of these uh recovery all-stars rock stars they call themselves uh these folks that that know what's best for your family member give them their the front and back of your insurance card that kind of bull crap um but anyway so yeah todd this has been very good it's been you know happy thanksgiving everybody um it is a wonderful time to be in recovery we're going into a tough time of the year. Take care of yourself. Beef up on your meetings. Uh, you know, get surrounded by a lot of people that care about you. I know we care about you. Todd, take us out. So 30 years ago, when I first came into recovery, we didn't have recovery housing. If someone was seeking recovery and maybe coming to meetings and didn't have anywhere to live, we'd basically try to help them find somewhere to live. And, and that's how it all started. It, we all started basically living together and keeping each other accountable um, in recovery. Now, as the years have gone through, Um, it's basically turned into an industry and with that industry there comes a lot of challenges Um, there's quite a bit of exploitation Um, you know you're dealing with a very very vulnerable population so that's the reason that we started the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to help providers to help other recovery housing operators to help mentor them Um, to help to advocate for them and one of the things that we did right off the bat was we started getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina. We were very fortunate to get a grant from the Clinton Foundation and some help from the Recovery Advocacy Project and Challenges Inc. and Favor Greenville and you know all of them combined have helped the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to begin getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina and to help train their residents on the use of naloxone. We believe that is the first standard 
uh, that we need to accomplish in South Carolina. Recovery housing operators are a very valuable resource to those suffering from substance use disorder in South Carolina and we want to advocate for them, train them, mentor, and just work with them with whatever needs that they may have. If you want to get in touch with us, it's screcoveryhousing.org.